Tom Thibodeau will lead a roster full of young neophytes for the Knicks, but can he get this team to be good enough for a playoff spot in this shortened 2020-2021 NBA season? We'll give you an in-depth Knicks season preview, our Knicks miss wish list, and make our predictions for the season. We also go inside the doghouse with the junkyard dog himself as he takes us back to his playing days to a story when punches were thrown. All that and more coming up next on the debut of season two of Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. Welcome to the debut of season two of Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm Sal Licata, hosting this season alongside my co-host, former Nick and NBA big man. It's the junkyard dog himself, Jerome Williams. What's up, Jerome? <laughs> Sal, what's happening, man? The JYD in the house. This is our special season preview edition of the New York Knicks podcast here. Nick's taking on the Pacers Wednesday night. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes going to come out Tuesday afternoons every week, all season long. We'll have plenty of special Nick's guests from former Nick's, current Nick's, celebrity Nick's fans, broadcasters, longtime Nick's beat writer Mark Berman's going to join us. So, of course, we have plenty to do for you throughout the course of what should be an exciting Nick season. JYD, before we get into the current Knicks, I am so excited to be doing this with you because even though there have been some lean years, well, a lot of lean years over the last two decades with this with this group, you were somebody who I always felt could have been a part of those 90s Knicks team. You were here for one year, sure, but your fury, uh, you know, your relentlessness, your ferociousness on the court, I've always respected that and loved that. So I'm excited to be doing this podcast with you. Man, look, I'm excited, Sal. This is this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I get to come back, get into my dog house, right? Have some kibbles and bits with my dog, Sal. And then we got a dog pound crew behind us. Shout out to my man, Jake and Alex, doing it behind the scenes because this is how we get down. Now, throwbacks, exactly. My veterans were people like Rick Mahorn, Charles Oakley, guys that just get down and get dirty, right? Otis Thorpe. I got some guys that just really just poured into me to make sure I knew what I was doing out there on the court and as well as off the court. So we're going to get into all that. Big Apple Buckets, we coming to a town near you. The Otis Thorpe reference was a tough one because, of course, he was <laughs> on those Rockets teams that crushed my heart with the 90s Knicks. But, JYD, I mean, you mentioned it. Mahorn, and did Mahorn give you your nickname? He gave me the nickname and Grant Long. That's right. Another, another dog pound favorite, Grant Long. Shout out. Yeah, and, you know, you reference Oakley. Those are my style. All right, speaking of that type of style, the Knicks this year, they look different. They finally seem to have a head coach in Tom Thibodeau that teaches defense, that gets these guys to play hard both ends of the floor. And it's not just the preseason games. We've seen it wherever Thibodeau has been. So to be able to get a guy who was, by the way, an assistant under Jeff Van Gundy and those teams we grew up loving – You know, he's here now calling the shots. He's got a very young roster. I think they're the third youngest roster in the entire NBA. 
But you've seen it so far, JYD, in preseason, this team playing hard at both ends of the floor. Oh, I love it. And you know what? It starts on a defensive end, and Tibbs definitely, you know, he comes from that stock, that Van Gundy tree, that pillar of, you know, knowing how to get stops on defense and teaching young players. He doesn't have a veteran latent team where he's going to have to do a lot of battling and getting guys to do things and step outside their comfort zone. This is going to be a good thing for Nick fans because they get to grow with some of these young players. They get to see their growth. The last preseason game gave me a lot of insight what to expect because this is where guys are getting ready to get their feet wet in the regular season. And we saw that fourth quarter defensive stops where guys were getting after it and then letting their defense fuel their offense. We're going to see a lot of that this season, I'd say. One of the most frustrating things for me has been to watch this team over recent years and just not see that effort. It's one thing to not have the superstars, and we know that they don't have superstars. They still have some exciting young players that we hope can turn into legit players in this league, potential all-stars. But you never saw the intensity, the effort, and, and that's something, JYD, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I believe that could be coached, and it's just about effort. You don't need to have star players at every position all over the court to be able to get good defense out of that group. So whether they have stars or not, it was always irrelevant to me. We just weren't seeing the effort. I would expect that we're going to see that under Thibodeau this year. I would definitely expect to see that. Why? Because there's enough young talent on the roster these guys are hungry. You want a name in this league? If you want to get a long career going, you have to start with getting minutes on the court. So what do you have to do to do that? You have to please your coach, especially with a new coach who's, you know, setting up his identity. You know, he's taken a long time to get here. He's gotten different head coaching jobs, but now he's in Madison Square Garden. He's at MSG every night. That pressure's intense, so he's going to coach intensely. And that means it's going to be turn up time on the defensive end. They're going to be able to talk about who missed shots or what happened at the end. But that defense has to be the foundation. You think it helps not having a guy, let's just say, and I, I'm not trying to pick on him. I'm just referencing Carmelo Anthony, a guy who, you know, superstar in this league, great all-time scorer, but didn't give the greatest effort defensively. And sometimes that could maybe, and you would know better than me, and that's why I want your reference point being in those locker rooms. Sometimes that could rub off on the younger guys or the head coach, not a, you know, not really able to go at them. Thibodeau doesn't have that problem here. I know you want a superstar, but when you're building from the foundation here, you're trying to build a good defensive unit with young players and mold those guys the way that you want them to play does that help by not having a superstar who can maybe take away from that well in my opinion i feel like it's a definite plus here's why well first of all they're setting themselves for having cap space the next one to two years so that's going to leave plenty of ideas in terms of you know what they want to go after during free agency but during the season what does that do that helps you build your young players that gives them minutes that gives them opportunities it, it gives the the coach and his staff a chance to, you know, relinquish a new identity. You know, the Knicks haven't had a defensive identity for a long time. And that's what needs to be established here. Once that's established, now free agents could be drawn to that. They could say, hey, look at their record. Look what they were able to do without a superstar. You add one to two new faces that can, you know, carry those final four to five minutes. That's what the NBA is about. The last four minutes of the fourth quarter, that's when the game is, is conquered. And usually that's when you give it to your top player, your Carmelo Anthony, your face of the franchise, your Stephon Marbury, your Allen Houston. The offense goes through them. That's what they don't have now. But I think that's a positive thing because identity is something, you know, it's like, you know, you don't want your identity theft. 
right now we've been thieved upon <laughs> in New York because there has been no defensive identity. Dog pound basketball has been lost in the garden, and it's time to get it back. That's Agreed. why the dog house is here, Sal. That's, That's right. I love it. The Knicks are back, JYD. The Knicks <laughs> are back with us leading the way here. You're right. It, it's And that's why I do think it's important. I get it. They need a superstar eventually. But you build that foundation. You create an identity, which is something they haven't had. And something that the Knicks fan is starved for, not only an identity, an identity that plays hard, that plays defense at both ends of the floor, wins or losses, I know that they matter, but this particular year, they really don't. It's about getting this young group to play hard. Now, we've talked about not having superstars. Why don't we focus on who is here and do a little 12 days of Knicksmas and go, go around that roster, JYD? Let's start with R.J. Barrett, a player who you know was picked third overall and expected to be a superstar, and he's been okay so far. But as a, a guy who was drafted as a shooting guard, he has issues shooting, and his strength is attacking the rim, which I love. Problem is, shooting free throws has been a weakness. Now, he's improved on that. He's worked hard in the offseason, had a good preseason as far as shooting free throws here. I don't know, JYD, if he'll ever be a great shooter from the outside, but at least R.J. Barrett's putting in the work here and you know trying to add to his game. The number one thing for me this year, minimum from Barrett, he's got to be able to hit free throws. If his strength is attacking the rim, he's got to knock down free throws. That's right. A nifty left-hander. Um, my thing is, it's just got to be that continuous growth. One thing that I like about his game is he's consistently uh, all-around type of player. He will get rebounds. He will get some assists. He will find that guy cutting to the basket, which uh, improves team chemistry. And at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's a willing defender. As you said, in the preseason, he was able to bump up his free throws. That's the thing that excited me about his game especially being our leading scorer out of the preseason, this guy is going to be somebody that we're going to have to depend on. You know, the Knicks are going to have to depend on this guy. And I think it starts with him, you know, playing, you know, the right type of basketball and then also improving his outside shot. That, you know, it's no no secret, you know, shooting under 20% from three-point range, that has to be improved. Is that something that he can improve? I mean, to be an all-star, and he talks about wanting to be an all-star in this league. And to your point, he does a lot of things well. And I like his effort, his energy. I like his attitude. I think he fits being in New York with the Knicks. Is shooting from the outside something that he can improve on to the extent he needs to to become an all-star? Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, I played with Grant Hill, right, in Detroit. Similar type. They're both from Duke. You know, they got that Duke pedigree. But Grant was never a three-point shooter when, when I was there, that was that was relegated to Joe Dumars as our shooting guard. But he was nifty going to the basket. He could get get guys and get him to the rim. And then now he's at the free throw line. So the key to R.J. Barrett is getting to the free throw line, right? Getting to that free throw line, knocking down your free throws, because you don't necessarily have to be a three point shooter to be an all star. But you're going to have to, you know, make sure you get it on the other end at the free throw line. Yeah, if that's the strength of his game and his mid-range game been okay. They they don't – look, it'd be great if he could shoot threes. If he did, he would be an all-star. But they don't necessarily need that. They're going to need it from elsewhere, and we'll get into that in a little bit. They need him to attack the rim and knock down free throws. You're right. Then he's going to score. If he could do that, then they have a player here. All right, on the second day of Christmas, the Knicks gave to me a power forward named Obi. How about Obi Toppin? A guy, JYD, that I'm excited to watch here. Uh, he burst onto the scene uh, right in, from the first preseason game. And there are certain guys that don't look 
intimidated even as a rookie. There are certain guys that look immediately like they belong. We've seen others who don't, others who look overwhelmed or others who, you know, look like they're timid and shy. Well, that's not Obi Toppin. He looks like he belongs right from the get-go. Give me your thoughts on Obi Toppin and what you've seen so far in the preseason. Well, what I've seen so far is what I expected to see from a guy who spent time in college developing his game. The athleticism is there. As an NBA pro, someone who has taken the time to develop in college now has the confidence of coming in and helping his team. He's not coming in saying, hey, I'm this young guy. You know, guys accept me. He's like, no, I know spacing. I know to stand back, wait for this opportunity to come and just use my God-given gifts to make the Madison Square Garden crowd jump to their feet. This guy is exciting. I love watching him play. He's going to bring a lot of energy to the building, something that is lacking. But that's what you need in this day and age. You need a guy that can come off that baseline and put it on somebody's neck. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, Sal? Put yeah. it on, hit on yeah. his neck and let him think about why he attempted to dunk or attempted to jump at this. And, and that's what you get with Obi Top. And I love it. He plays good, solid defense. He's an all-around player. He's going to be solid in between that small forward and power forward spot, I think. He can finish around the rim. We have no doubts about that. Uh, about that. The outside shot maybe is going to be you know something that in today's NBA, I mean, it's still a style that I'm getting used to. I'm assuming the same with you. We get these big men shooting threes all over the place. Maybe needs to work on that and become an effective, efficient three-point shooter. But I love Toppin's game. Is there a player, you know, for me, and it's not an exact comparison, but I watch him. And I, I just, I think of Amari Stoudemire. Not saying that he's going to be Stoudemire at its peak. I just, that's the player that he reminds me of. Is there a player that Obi Toppin reminds you of, Jerome? You know, you mentioned that. I, I'd also think of like a Sean Marion, you oh, know, okay. because of the athleticism running up and down. Sean Marion didn't have the greatest outside shot form-wise, but, you know, it developed over time. You know, he was able to put the ball in the basket, but his defense, his length, his basketball IQ was something that I see in Obi. And, you know, it's exciting to see this guy because I know that is a building, a potential building block for the Knicks. Sean Marion had the ugliest damn free throw shot that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that form was disgusting. Was it? I mean, how do you take the Matrix? <laughs> he was a beast, though. Yeah, you're not kidding. He was a beast. All right. On the third day of Christmas, the Knicks had a problem at power forward because they have Julius Randle there. And Randle is, look, he's a, a good player. I, I, you know, the frustration with the turnovers, I get it, but he could be a good scorer and a, a good player here. You just worry, Jerome, is it going to hurt the development of OB Top? And how is how are they they can't play together? So how do you see Randall fitting with, with OB Top? You know what? I, I take this back to my days in Toronto when we had like the Charles Oakley, Antonio Davis, right? With Junkyard Dog and Keon Clark coming off the bench. Lenny Wilkins split the minutes. We knew it was 12 and 12, 24 and 24. We were going to get 24 minutes. And then in the fourth quarter, he decides who's going well. And then he leaves you in for that extra five at the end. So that's how you top it out. I look at this as the same thing. Julius Randall is going to give you right what he gives you. He's got offensive talents. He's got some turnover talents. We don't <laughs> like that. But you get what you get. So when you bring that energy like Obi off the bench, it's exciting. It's going to turn the, the fans up. It's he's going to give you high percentage buckets, and I think that that's that's a good that's a good transition there. Now, 
The good thing is you're not locked down long term in, in Randall and he's very serviceable. My issue with Randall is that I can't invest in him as a fan. I want to invest in this team knowing, OK, well, these guys are going to be here long term. Is Randall a fit long term? I don't think he is. You're right. He's a good player and they're going to need him if they want to win games. But do you look at him more as a potential trade piece as opposed to, OK, well, we know Randall is going to be here in two, three, four years down the road. Well, absolutely. You know that he's a potential trade piece just because he's not locked in. And they haven't solidified him as a long-term piece. And that's the good thing. That's the good news for the Knicks. Because if you have this young player who has potential to bring energy and uh, foundational work in OB, then you let it play out. Because you can always slide him in later on in the year and swap out starting lineup spots. Yeah, you know, I just hope it doesn't. And with Randall, you know, a veteran guy who he deserves minutes. I mean, it's not it's not like he's a bad player, but it's just not a right fit here. Wonder how his mentality and, you know, what he's going to feel by uh, obviously everybody's going to want to see Obi Toppin if that's going to have a negative impact on Randall and then as a byproduct maybe create issue in that locker room between Toppin or Randall eventually moving forward. Well, the right one up. thing Sal I'll say too is the fact that Randall could change his game. Why not hit him get a little better? So I think that this could work both ways. He could say to himself, you know what, we got a new system in. I'm buying in. I'm going to, you know, create less turnovers, create yeah. some value for himself. We'd like to see that. I mean, protect the basketball, respect the basketball a little bit more, and then there wouldn't be an issue. Number four, on the fourth day of Christmas, the Knicks gave to me, how about the center position? Let's go with Mitchell Robinson, a guy who I love the draft pick. I know he was a raw pick at the time and, you know, didn't pick up the, it wasn't like he was playing the game some, from a young age, but man, Mitchell Robinson has grown in a short time, Jerome. We're not sure. And we'll get into the starting five or the potential starting five in a little bit. We're not sure if he's going to be the starter in fact, but Mitchell Robinson is going to be a key part for this team and his continued development from that center position. And I'm going to throw a name out here from way back, former Nick too, Malik Rose, right? Second round pick. These guys are diamonds in the rough if they are able to continue their incline. As long as he continues his incline, Sal, this is going to be another pair that the Knicks are going to keep around because he does a lot of good things. He reminds me a little bit, throw this name out there, Theo Ratliff, mm. right? He's going to give you a double-double. He's going to block some shots. And with the right point guard, we're going to see a lot of pick and rolls straight down the paint for dunks. But that's chemistry. You got you to gotta build that. That takes time. But I think he could be that type of player if he, you know, continues his ascent. How about him improving even more so under Thibodeau? I mean, I would expect, JYD, this is why you have great coaches, that they put players in positions to succeed, that they get the most that a player has to offer. We've seen already development from Mitchell Robinson without Tom Thibodeau. But also we've seen where if certain guys don't buy into what the coach is trying to sell, whether it's defensive effort or whatever little thing that Thibodeau wants, you know, may, maybe a, a player gets rubbed the wrong way and then you could lose that guy. Where do you see right. Thibodeau's coaching skill set fitting in with Mitchell Robinson's skill set on the court? Well, I think they're a match made in heaven because number one, the kid rebounds the basketball defensively as well as offensively and he blocks shots those are his strengths and coming from a defensive minded coach he's going to put you in positions and your team mates in positions to help one another because he has a shot blocker 
That's all about defensive schemes. If you got a guy that's you know able to, to create opportunities on the defensive end, you're going to want him in certain positions on the court. And that's where he's the mastermind. So if you give that power to Tibbs, he's going to thrive as a player to become a better player under this opportunity. On the fifth day of Christmas, the Knicks gave to me potentially a point guard in Emmanuel quickly. How about Emmanuel quickly? I mean, people thought he was going to be projected as a second round pick. He doesn't get to play that much early on. And then all of a sudden you see him in the preseason game taking off and facilitating the offense, bringing incredible energy. I talked about Obi Toppin and you could just see that he looks like he belongs. Well, shoot, Emmanuel quickly. I mean, maybe even more so the confidence. How about Emmanuel quickly and what you've seen so far in him, JYD? Hey, man, look, I had to start following a young cat on IG. His Instagram is like fire. He's a, he's a model around town. He's taking model shots, you know, down at the subway stations in the back alleys somewhere in New York. I'm like, okay, this kid's got my attention. But having said that, on the court, he gets more of my attention because of what you just said, Sal. The kid is running the offense. He's able to make plays. He's creative out there. He's definitely something that the Knicks need in a young, up-and-coming point guard. This guy is electric, and I think that he can bring that, that fire back to Madison Square Garden because he can be consistently depended upon, and he was definitely a, a, a shining spot in the preseason, and he made me say, you know what? The, the, the Knicks are working with a good, solid foundation of young players, and you see, you know, you got to look at teams like Golden State and Toronto Raptors who just built from their draft picks and people that they just let hang around and develop, that's what I see in Quick. Quickly has has gifts. And I think that if he gets some time, you know, especially when the Knicks are not expected to make the playoffs, not saying they can't make the playoffs, I'm just saying they're not expected to make the playoffs. Give this young pup some time. We'll get into our predictions in a little bit and also the potential starting five, and that's going to be one of the biggest questions this year. If not initially, at what point is quickly going to take over that starting point guard role? And, you know, look, I mean, what you've seen so far at least gives you hope where the Knicks finally could have a draft where they hit on the two first-round picks that they had quickly could be a difference maker. Another guy on the sixth day of Knicks miss, the Knicks gave to us Kevin Knox, another guy who could be a difference maker. And I, look, I've been saying he's a bust uh, for a long time here, but Knox can be one of those guys, JYD, in the last couple of preseason games, hitting down, you know, knocking down the outside shot, playing with a little more energy. The reason why I don't love him is because he's the complete opposite of a player like you, where you're ferocious on the court, nothing but energy and, and all that effort. And Knox is like eh, going through the motions out there. It drives me nuts. But if Thibodeau can get anything from him, whether it's shooting from the outside, whether it's rebounding, whether it's playing some defense, I think the Knicks are going to be much better than people think because they need him, to your point about the Raptors and Warriors drafting well, they need to hit on these top picks. Knox was a top pick. I think he could be a difference maker if they could get the most out of him. Sal, look, I'm picking up my cell phone right now. You know why? Because I sat down with Mr. Knox. That's right. Kevin Knox's dad during the summer league right out here in Vegas. And we were on the sidelines watching the Nick play in the summer league. And his son, he was telling him, look, you got to get to the boards. So they had a thing where he had to get at least seven offensive or seven rebounds, preferably four offensive before the half. So him and his dad were having this eye contact thing. You need more rebounds. You need more rebounds. What that's telling me is he's getting it at home. 
He's getting the coaching at home like, dude, you got to do more. And it's not about shooting. He was like, go to the boards. I was like, man, this dude is talking my language. <laughs> so having said that, Sal, get off your soapbox and get on this guy's page. At least, if not, what are we going to do? We're going to pick up this phone. I'm going to call his dad and be like, look, Dog Pound is requesting. Can you get in your son's ear? Because he can do a lot of help for the Knicks if he can get out there and not worry about his offense fueling this game. That's right. the key. You can't be out there saying to yourself, oh, I haven't gotten a shot. Oh, I missed the last two. That sort of thing. And not to mention, last preseason game of the season, what did he do? 14 out of his 16 points that he carried the Knicks to victory with? It, he said it himself. I didn't let myself get down early in the game. I was one for four. I tried to still contribute to the team. If he keeps that type of mentality, I think we got some, Sal. All right? Get off Agreed. your soapbox. Agreed. No, you're right. Maybe I was too quick to bury him. And he's young. The one thing I will not tolerate is lack of effort. And that's, look, you want to talk about not, not knocking down the shots. I think those things will come eventually. You've got to play hard and you've got to keep the positive um, attitude. And I think it's a great thing that we've seen that from Knox these last couple. All right, let's Sal, through the rest look, of these years. Sal, yeah. I'm with you, buddy. Look at him. Look at him yeah. guns. They're still here. Hey, Jay, that's what I want. Here, I want to see you out, out there. I'll go out there and hit somebody. Throw Let's throw some bows. I, I mean, can go. Ready. I still got my keys to the New York Knicks practice facility. All right. If I got to catch a flight, <laughs> I know it's nice and sunny out here in Las Vegas, but I can come back to the lair and get get rough with some of these young pups. That's right. Dirty them up. We need some JYD out there. Number seven on the seventh day of Knicks Miss. The Knicks gave to me maybe somebody who can knock down a three. How about Alec Burks? where you get him from the Jazz, and he was, look, I mean, whether the Knicks have him at the two guard or the small forward, uh, likely be the starting small forward for them. Somebody, Jerome, who could knock down the outside shot. This team needs scoring. They need shooting from the outside. He's somebody maybe flies under the radar a little bit, and Alec Burks can knock down that three. I look at him as that steady line, right? Reliable. You know what he's coming with. He's a consistent shooter, right? He's never up. Never up too far, never down too low. I think that that's that steady line that we can depend on when we need a bucket. That's a guy that we're going to look to, right? That's the one guy on this roster where I say, hey, if I need to get a score, who am I going to draw the play up for? It's Alec Burt. Number eight on the eighth day of Knicks Miss. The Knicks gave to me, Alfred Payton, who might be the starting point guard here. I would expect him to be. Solid player, nothing flashy, nothing really exciting. Another guy who's just kind of filling a roster spot for the moment. You think Alfred Payton should be the starting point guard, or would you go with quickly? I would go with Alfred Payton. Here's why. The guy has an assist rating, right, that's that's always based on what he's doing offensively. If you look at the numbers, when he shoots above 50%, his assist game goes up. So it's all about the percentages for me with Alfred. I think that he's, he's solid, right? I think that he plays considerably decent defense, so he's not a liability in any way. And I think he can show, you know, the young fella, the rookie, what kind of to expect in this in this new league. And those, those are the kind of things that are intangibles. You know, I think that that... That's his strength right now. On the ninth day of Nick Smith, the Knicks gave to me is Dennis Smith Jr., another player who I find fascinating. We know about the hype when he was a first round pick, and the Knicks get him in the trade for Porzingis, a guy who's been better defensively than offensively so far in this preseason under Thibodeau. You have any expectations for Dennis Smith Jr.? Well, here's one. That gone if he can give me five steals a game like he had the other night, shoot. <laughs> We'll keep him out there a little while longer. Now, here's the thing. You need that other guy with him because he doesn't seem to run the, the, the offense too well. 
right? He needs he needs to get better. If he's going to run and be the point guard, he has to be able to do that. Now, if they're going to move him into like a combo guard, like I always saw him like a Steve Francis. I always looked at him as a combo, like guy has crazy athleticism. He's not a he's not going to wow you with his outside shooting, but it's sort of like he just fits into that in between, you know, guy. And then when they try to put him in that point guard, they're like, mm, nah, not there, right? That's the way I feel about Dennis Smith Jr. But I like the fact that he can get after it defensively because he can, he's has potentially to turn up the volume and get the energy going. And sometimes that has its value. I love that comparison with Steve Francis. Boy, if he could ever shoot like that, I mean, he, he could become that player. It's a, a terrific comparison just visually. On the 10th day of Knicks Miss, the Knicks gave to us Frank Neal Aquina, and we don't know how much longer we're going to have Frank Neal Aquina, where it sounds like his days with the Knicks might be numbered. Disappointing pick from the Phil Jackson regime. It was supposed to be a facilitator of the offense, a, a throwback point guard, play some defense. I don't like him as a fit shooting the ball. He's not a great shooter, so I don't think that that's his game either, JYD. Where do you see Frank Neal Aquina and his fit with this 2020-2021 Knicks team? All right, here's where the dog pound gets real, man. I see him going back to Europe. That's what I see. You know, so, he's from he's from France. And when I saw his his decline, it really came from an era of confidence. I just set, saw him like just, you know, he was doing well. And I was like, oh, this kid, you know, he could be a Tony Parker for the future. And then I just realized doesn't look like it because he's losing confidence. So when a player loses confidence, I start to I start to waver. Who knows? He could snap out of it. But as of right now, he's got to show us something. He's really got to show us something. Let's round out the roster here on the 11th day of Christmas. The Knicks gave to us Reggie Bullock, who had some you know, a nice moments in the preseason. Maybe another guy, along with Alec Burks, that could be shooting from the outside, knock down some threes. You know what? I see this guy as a, a potential Trevor Ariza type that, you know, got the link, can be that forward out there to really, you know, solidify some defense, give some good spot minutes here and there and uh, be serviceable. So I'm with him. One guy on the 12th day of Christmas, the Knicks gave to us eventually Austin Rivers, one guy who, and he's only 12th year because he's hurt right now. He may be a significant part of this team, JYD, when you look at, look, they're a very young team, one of the older guys on the roster, right, at 28 years of age. They need to get him healthy. You also like his mentality, playing for Thibodeau. He could be a leader out there in the locker room, out on the floor. We need to get Austin Rivers, though, back healthy here so he can provide that on the floor for the Knicks. Absolutely. Healthy Austin Rivers, um, willing to take big shots, not known for making the biggest shots, but at the end of the day, attitude is everything in the garden. And he's got grit. He's got attitude. I like that. You know that. Dog pound. He's with the dogs. Can we get an extra day of Christmas? I mean, who doesn't want another day? Honorable mention or a bonus Christmas Gotta present? throw it out there. Leftovers, holiday leftovers. New Orleans Noel, the former top pick, now, maybe they get something from him here. I do think it's going to be a combination at center. Well, not I do think. It's going to be a combination at center with Robinson and Noel. you have any expectations for a guy who may be flying under the radar for, uh, who was as much hyped as New Orleans Noel was years ago? Okay, well, let me tell you this. You know, you didn't hear it here first, but you're getting ready to hear it. Man, he fired Rich Paul. He fired his agent. He said to himself, look, I didn't get the deal I wanted or expected. I'm playing for $5 million in New York City. If it was me, look at here. I'm not going to show you this glass because I'm not trying to pay anybody. But I have a tall glass of pistivity right now if I was <laughs> Nerlin Noel. First of all, he's getting honorable mention in the doghouse, right, with the dog and Sal. And I just fill up my glass. And I say, look, 
I'm I'm here to play. I'm here to smash mouth all year long so I can get my check up. That's what I, I saw the money going around. They're passing around 80, 80 million here, 70 million there. And I got five, five. Okay. I think when we're done with this podcast, we got to go into that locker room and fire some of these boys up. What do you think? I mean, I think, I think you could do that. JYD. I think we can bring them some energy here. Get in them a little Sal, bit. All I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you when I'm going to do it. Me and you going to get a good twit, a good chest bump. And then I'm going to go in there and do that because if they see you, you, you know, you might not, you might get thrown into a yeah. garbage pile or something. They might not. They might not really realize, you know, we're a team, right? <laughs> they, might, they might take you for one of those imposters and be like, no, he's not with us, right? Uh, <laughs> so true. All right, let's get into the predictions for this year. For this Knicks group, let's start with that. Um, we could give the predictions for, you know, I'll go around the, the league a little bit and who's going to win the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, but let's give our predictions for the Knicks season as far as win total and expectations, playoffs, no playoffs. What are your thoughts with the the Knicks? Give us the win total first. Ah, man. You know what? I'm hovering right around 25, 72 games. You can get 25, maybe squeak possibly to close to 30. You might be able to get in that 10th spot. You might be able to squeak into that 10th spot. You know, obviously, you know, teams like Atlanta, Cleveland, Charlotte, those are, you know, possibly Detroit. Those got to be like must wins. You can get those, right? And then squeak out a couple of close games against some of the guys who are going to make it. You could slide in there. You know, it's hard to give a prediction. We don't even know the starting five and, you know, we could get it. Do you have a starting five that you think you would go with, JYD, or do you expect it to be? I mean, would you just go chalk? With Robinson, I'm assuming they're going to go Randall, Barrett. I think and this has to be a roster that changes daily, just like Tibbs. You know, if he can if he can keep that, he won't put as much pressure on any of the guys. Because, as you know, you know, there, there's a certain level of pressure that comes with the garden. It's just there. Now the garden is going to be empty to start. Well, some of that pressure goes away. But I think that if he keeps the roster just, you know, you're, obviously you're going to have your mainstays, right? I'm not saying change all five, but I think he should have a rotation of two to three guys that he could go small some games, go big, play with one center, two bigs, switch it around, let the guys feel like at any given moment they're going to be in the mix as a starter. And I think that that's going to be, you know, what's going to propel this team. Don't get locked in. I think you should be locked in, you know, like you said, Randall and RJ Barrett. I think that those your two locks because you can you know mix this thing up with a lot of other players i think say let's roll like you don't have to give the starting lineup to mitchell or no uh noel you can just you know swap them out make it interesting throw ob in there sometimes yeah. like get, let's get these guys some minutes that they're not really expecting i think that that's got got some legs man you got quickly out there it's 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 going to be interesting this year. And it matters more who finishes, not starts. So you're right. I, maybe I shouldn't factor that into my predictions here. So give me just a win total. What'd you say? 30, 30. Where were you with the Knicks number wise? All right. Now let's make Alex. I'm going to bring you in here now. You better get my dog pound. We're going to get producer Alex and producer Jake in here. I, I, go around 
the horn window. He said 25. He didn't already went up to 30. <laughs> and then we're going to be replaying this. 30 is like a pipe dream, I think, for a lot of us, for sure. Come on, Jake. What do you got, producer Jake? 30, What's your I'm number? We, look, I, if we get 30 wins, 30 plus wins, I'm taking the whole crew, uh, uh, the buckets crew. We're going to Sizzlers. All, all right. right. Yes. On I'll JYD. On we're that. going to Sizzlers. This is like a slight upgrade from TGI Fridays. Good God. I mean, can, <laughs> we, can we get Benny Hanna at we least? Going to Sizzlers, baby. We oh, man. <laughs> what were those NBA contracts like in 2005? Come on, JYD. Hey, Sizzler. Hey, listen. I mean, my hey, look, you haven't heard me in the paper, right? JYD gone broke. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's because Mr. Williams in the back, right, covering these checks. I'm balling on the budget. No Antoine Walkers in the building losing all their money in here. JYD knows what he's doing. Shout out to class of 96. Listen, guys, Alex is like the outcast here. We were going to get a Gillette sponsor, and then Alex pulled some hair on us, and we we had the ball trio here. We we had shaving creams lined up. Listen, you guys didn't mention, too, you know, at least the first half of the season, there will be no fans in the building at most of these arenas, and I think that really hurts a young team that feeds off of energy. Guys coming from big schools, Kentucky, UNC, Packed House, Duke, the Cameron Crazies. There's no one in the building. So when this team is losing early in games and has no crowd support, no defense chance at the Garden, and you want to talk a place where home court advantage means everything, it's Madison Square Garden. That place when this team is garbage is still packed. So I think they're going to miss that home court aspect, which means I think they're going to win 20 games. I don't see much more than that. I I think when they're down early, they're in trouble. So that's really where it's going to come on Thibodeau when you're losing and there's nobody to pump you up in the building except for maybe a security guy and a a COVID test checker. And there's no ticket takers. uh, There's no popcorn salesman. It's going to be tough at the Garden. Wow. That is what up, man. That can work at a certain level, right? But energy-wise, yes. But from a other standpoint where, you know, you're down and you don't have the fans booing you in the garden. That helps. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. You might have a chance to come back. So I think that, yeah, to your point, the energy, absolutely. But to the other point, young players not having that type of garden pressure and being able to come back. I think that, you know, that's got some legs, too. I like that perspective. I also would go the opposite with producer Jake in saying that maybe the young guys would have an advantage over veterans where they don't need that boost from the crowd to have that energy because they had that natural energy just being younger, more exciting, more exuberant. So it could, I mean, look, who knows what this pandemic, who knows how it's going to be. We're learning here a lot of firsts, but I think it could be an advantage. I'm going to shock all of you right now with my win total for the Knicks. What do you got? JYD, what was your number with the Knicks? I said 25. No, what was your number that you wore when oh, you once? Oh, 31. 31. The New York Knicks behind Thibodeau <laughs> are going to win 31 games in honor of the JYD. I am positive with this group. I like the young players. I think they're going to get improvement from Barrett, from Knox, from Mitchell Robinson. I love Obi Toppin, and I love more than anything the guy who's calling the shots, Tom Thibodeau, going to build that foundation, get these guys to play hard. You know what? Why not? Let's be hopeful here with the week of Christmas. And I'm going to go 31 in honor of my partner's number with the Knicks. In his one year. I love it. We go on the Sizzlers. 31 wins. We go on the Sizzlers. Every Nick fan listening to this just ran through their local brick wall after that prediction. <laughs> We're pumping them up. The Knicks are back, baby. They're back. This is great. Oh, <laughs> Alex, Alex do you have a number for us? What is your win total number? 
I'll tell you what, if you get JYD on a Zoom call in that pregame locker room every single game, you might get 50 wins this year. I'm looking at JYD on the Zoom call in the pregame locker room before tip-off around 6.30, get the guys together, watch him speak, pump up the chest, get him going, and we got 50 wins, no problem. <laughs> Man, hey, look, I, look, Alex, I was playing with Lance Stevenson yesterday, like on two days ago. Did he blow on you? on your Lance ears? Stevenson, no, listen. Oh. Yeah. We had it was a it was a room full of it was about 50 guys, right? They're all playing and they had called me and said, JY, you wanna, you know, text me, hey JY, you wanna come to the gym, play, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. I go down to the gym and you know, I'm I'm a veteran, right? So they tell me to be there that the game starts at seven. I'm there at 6 30 because I know I gotta get the cobwebs out of all these loose joints, right? <laughs> that might be a little stiff. I get there, Alex, right? And Lance comes in the gym and I'm like, cool. Look, they're going to they gonna put us on the same team. Let's go ahead and run these young pups up out of here. So I said, look, this is what we're going to do. Told my little offense. Man, look, before the, the gym, so we done went through one game, two games, three games, four games. When I hit the four-game limit, that's my button, right? That's when I'm getting ready to hit the, the Cinderella button where the pumpkin you know, turns into a pumpkin instead of the, the, the chariot, right? So I know it's time for me to call the, call the games. I tell the, tell, the, tell the organizer, hey, man, I'm done. Right. I won my four games. Get a sub in. You can, you know, bring somebody else back. Lance was like, where are you going? I said, listen, man, this is how this works. Veterans got to get up out of here. I can't be in here all night because the wheel's going to fall off. Then you'll realize that JYD's pushing 48. Right now you're thinking, why aren't you still playing? I was like, son, because I cannot do this for 82 games. That's how we used to live. Last game of the season, I played. What did I play? It was like 79 games. Come on, Alex, you're supposed to have that stat. 79 games. I went into retirement. Let's go. You go all out. Uh, and, you know, look, we respect that. That's why we love you, former Nick. Even though it's just one year, that's why we love you. JYD, you got any predictions around the league? Who's a Eastern Conference champion? Who's a Western Conference champion? Oh, man, you know, you got to go with the Lakers in the West. And you got to go with the Nets in the East. That's just like, you know, Kyrie, KD, come on. At the end yeah. of the day, who's going who's gonna to go against that? for seven game series with them healthy assuming they stay healthy i'm with you and i hate to say it i hate the nets uh but i'll go nets and i'm gonna go mavericks i think i don't think the lakers are gonna be as hungry coming off of you know winning in the bubble you know lebron another year older and mavs with Doncic, and be fun to see porzingis former nick uh in there against those nets i'm gonna go nets mavs change it up a little bit in the finals producer jake you got anything for us i'm actually going nets lakers too i think the nets are just too stacked and obviously it'll depend on health if they are not healthy than milwaukee but i think the lakers i think lebron repeats here wins another title beats the nets in the finals now for our purposes let's just hope that the knicks could at least sneak into the playoffs and with the new playoff format i mean you know seven through ten I know that the Hawks should be better. You know, you look around, what are the Wizards going to be with Russell Westbrook? Are the Magic going to be any good? The Pistons aren't going to be good. The Bulls might be improved, the young team. You know, how those teams at the bottom of the Eastern Conference are going to be compared to the Knicks. But look, with expanding to 10, I don't think there's any reason with Thibodeau and that young group why not you can't expect that the Knicks could at least compete for one of those top 10 spots in the Eastern Conference. Coming up next, we're going to go inside the doghouse with my partner, JYD, talking about some of his stories from his playing days. That's next, Inside the Doghouse. You don't want to miss it. All right, it's now time for the first installment of Inside the Doghouse, where the junkyard dog himself tells you a story from his playing days. Take it away, JYD. Okay, so I'm going to go straight to the preseason because this is preseason, right? 
And back in 2004, when I was with the Knicks, and we're getting the preseason, we have a new rookie, Trevor Ariza. That's right. My boy from UCLA, young pup, right? Playing that three spot, you know, he doesn't know how to, you know, get minutes on the court, right? And we have a, a heavily latent veteran team. So Tim Thomas, right, is in that starting spot at the small forward. Villanova, Big East, played extensive minutes in the playoffs with Milwaukee Bucks. Just, you know, you know Tim. Everybody in New Jersey knows Tim, right? Everybody knows that Tim did boxing training. Him and Kurt Thomas were on the same teams, like we're in practice simulation. Kurt notices the mismatch, and he's like, Tim, go down to the post. I'm guarding Kurt. Now, everybody knows Kurt Thomas is one of our heavily beloved former Knicks as a, as a bruiser, too. So we, we, we got that mutual respect going in training camp. He's not trying to hurt me. I'm not trying to hurt him. So they going down low to the rookie. Tim gets down there and starts putting Trevor through the ring. Right. Bucket. Bucket. Right. And, you know, as, as he's giving them all these different buckets, Trevor's trying to you know get more physical. Like he's like, man, I'm from I'm from LA. And I'm I'm I, I don't go for this. I'm like, son, pipe down. <laughs> that's Tim Thomas. He's big East. That's a different, that's a different water drink they're drinking over there than some of that stuff you got out there on the western side of the hemisphere. So, anyways, Tim does this spin move. And you know, Tim got them wide shoulders, and that's how he used to do. He used to bop, bop, and then he'd spin back, and this shoulder would come around with this elbow, and I mean, just basically like flings. Trevor out the picture. Trevor is like, he's young. He's trying to make his way. So he figures, oh, it's time to fight. <laughs> so we're like, no young fella. So I go down because he's on my team, right? So I'm like, I got you. We got this. Don't worry about this. I'll handle Tim, right? <laughs> Pipe down, Tim. Like, he, and Trevor's like, nah. And I'm like, son, look, are you listening to me? I'm your veteran. Pipe down. I got you. So I think everything's cool. So Lenny tells him, okay, you know, sub me in. Sub somebody else in. So I, I'm guarding Tim now. They put another forward on, on Kurt. Meanwhile, Trevor, he leaves, kind of like goes somewhere. Th we're thinking he's going to get some Gatorade. Man, he comes out the locker room with a stick. <laughs> I'm like, bro, hold up. <laughs> so Tim like, man, you think I ain't seen no sticks in New Jersey? <laughs> he's like getting them up. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. So I'm like, I'm tackling players, man. It was mayhem. But uh, <laughs> it was something I won't forget because, like, I was like, boy, young fellas, man. But Trevor, I, I, you know, we ragged on him for the rest of the year. You know, him and Tim obviously, you know, become friends or whatever. But <laughs> it was one of those moments, man, straight out the doghouse where it was a mix-up between, like, pit bulls, rottweilers, you know, kind of just getting ready to get after it. And everybody knows, like, you know, if, you, if you've seen Trevor's career, you know, he's always been, you know, a hard worker, you know, a solid, you know, three, four, three guy, you know, small forward. So it was just, it was just great to see that and wanted to show, show that story to the dog pound on, on preseason because preseason, there's a lot of things that go on that we don't talk about. So that's a throwback for you, Sal, and the dog pound out there. That, in is, that is a perfect first story, a perfect first edition of the doghouse here. I Who knew Trevor Reese had that fight in him at such young age? That is, that is tremendous. Comes out with a stick. Hey, he got a lot of our respect. I was like, this brother done came back with a stick? Oh, you, you, you might be on our crazy list. Okay, all right. <laughs>
That wraps up episode 25 and the start of season two of Big Apple Buckets, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Alex Camarada for producing the show. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. We'll appreciate it. For the JYD, Jerome Williams, I'm Sal Akata. We return next Tuesday and every Tuesday afternoon throughout the entire Knicks season. Enjoy the first three games. We'll chat with you all next week. Stay safe and happy holidays.